opportunity to, to preach to him and to talk to him and to share the gospel of Christ. And um, I want all of the young'uns who want to go to class, we've, we've, we're going to have the class in the back and you're going to have a very special class. So um, follow Miss Tanya, Miss Laura back there if you want to, Miss Kathy. And uh, they'll take it. Boy, look at all of them. That's the church of today and tomorrow. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Praise the Lord. That just brings a tear to my eye. That's okay, buddy. Keep on going. I'll walk over here with you. Come on, we'll go. Come on. Come on, we'll go. There you go. Hop on in here with them. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, again, welcome. And I want everybody that's a visitor here today to know you're not a visitor any longer. <laughs> Whenever you walk through these doors, you're family. And so welcome to the family. And you will always be family and come back each and every time that you have an opportunity. We, we love to have you worshiping here with us. And so if you would, please. What we do usually is to bow for a moment of prayer to prepare our minds and our hearts for the reception of the word of God. And then I'll close us out in the prayer and we will get ready for worshiping God through his word. Father, we're just here this morning to worship you. We thank you, Father, for your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for his faith, Father. That's what we talked about this morning uh, in the meditation. It's the faith of Christ, it says in Romans 3 and in Galatians 2. The faith of Christ. We never thought. That it took faith for the Son of God to leave the realm of heaven and the worship of every creature that was ever created up there and to strip himself of that and come to this earth and to be treated the way he was and to die and to have faith in you, Father, that you could resurrect him from the dead. And Father, through his faith to go through that, it's now through His righteousness that our faith in Him, that righteousness can be transferred upon us. And Father, we thank You and we praise You. And the biggest part of the gospel is the resurrection, the breakthrough, the power, the victory of Jesus over death. And we thank You and we give You all praise, glory, and honor. And we pray that today our worship will will edify the body of Christ, but that it will glorify and magnify you, Father, as the creator and the God of the heavens and the earth, the only true and living God in whom is our hope and our calling. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Are you all ready to receive the word? I'm going to ask you, put your thinking caps on. I'm going to take you on a long country drive this morning through through the word of God okay um, the theme is victory in Jesus over death 
But I want us to think about why was the resurrection so important? Why is that so important in the message of the gospel? And if you want to follow along, I'm going to be first here in Genesis chapter 2. If you want to turn, that's right there at the beginning. And uh, I want to share some things with you that you may not have ever been thought or talked about. Genesis chapter 2, we might as well begin with mankind, shouldn't we? Why are we here? What's going on? Well, let's find out why. First of all, in, in, in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, I'm sure that this is a passage that all of you know. Give me the next slide. There we go, Miss T. Thank you. I'm always way out ahead of her. She's waiting for me to talk about what I had here. So that's why I always remind her that it's my fault. <laughs> and I've jumped ahead. But anyway, in, in verse 7 of chapter 2 of Genesis, this is one of my favorite books of the Bible is Genesis, and I love it so much. But I want you to know that in verse 7, it says that we are told the process of how you and I, how mankind came to be. And it says that the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and that he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. You've all heard that before, right? You understand that? Well, let me share something with you because we've got to know exactly what it says. I'm going to get technical on you for a minute because we've got to know exactly what this word says if we want to know what it means for you and I. Because we were formed of the dust of the ground, but when it says that the Lord breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life, it's actually in the plural. And it's the breath of lives. He breathed into the nostrils of man the breath of lives and man became a living being actually because it's not just a living soul because the breath that God gave, it's called the neshamats, the spark of life. You see, we were formed from the dust of the ground and that body was a shell. It was prepared to house the real you and I, the, the life, the being that would go into that. It had the brain ready. It had the heart. It had the arms and the legs and the skin. But there was no life yet. And so once the body was formed and everything was ready. The Lord God breathed into the nostrils. And two lives went in there. The breath of lives. You know why? The soul and the spirit. Because both of those was breathed in. And it was the breath of lives and man became a living being. And you say, and preacher, why is that so important? Why does that make a difference in what we need to know about what's going on? Well, because if we want to know the way of eternal life and the action of faith in the firstborn of the resurrected, which is the Lord Jesus Christ, we got to know why he had to come to earth and what he had to do to repurchase a way for us to come back to God through the fall that's going to happen. Because in the fall of what's going to happen, we're going to see down there in verse 16 and 17 that it says, The Lord God commanded the man, saying, You know, he created everything in that garden for man. And he says, Of every tree that is in the midst of the garden, thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that you eat of it, you will surely, what? Die. You will surely die. Wait a minute. 
Genesis chapter 5 tells me the days of Adam after he had begotten Seth were 800 years and he begat sons and daughters and all the days that Adam lived were 930 years old and then he died. If God made a promise in chapter 2 that the day that you eat of the fruit of that tree you will surely die and I read later on, three chapters later, he lived another 930 years. Something's wrong, isn't it? You know why? Because man had two lives, and so we got to die two deaths. And when it says, thou shalt surely die, the word for death is muth. And when it says, thou shalt, it's muth, muth. Muth, ta muth, actually, in the original. Well, what's that mean? That means there's going to be two deaths. And what it should be translated is dying, thou shall die. Dying, you die is actually the way it is. Die, you die. And so no English teacher would allow their students, I know because we, we help homeschool some things, and our English teacher at home will not allow us to use any kind of words that way. That's not a proper sentence. That doesn't make a complete thought. So the translators go, what's that really mean? And then they put, shall surely die. Because usually when it's doubled, it's for emphasis. So it's like, they'll surely die. Well, it still says in the day that you eat of it, so why didn't he surely die? Because he had to die two deaths. You see, two lives were breathed in, so there's two deaths. You've got a spiritual life and a physical life. You've got a physical death, and you've got a spiritual death. So whenever they partake of that fruit of the tree, if your mind goes back there with me, it, what it says is, dying thou shall die. The process of physical death is a process, isn't it? It didn't happen immediately. That's the dying part. You begin the process of growing older and failing. But you shall also die spiritually immediately what happened the moment they partook of that fruit eyes were opened oh we have no clothes i'd better get some fig leaves oh i hear the lord coming like he does every day through the midst of the garden to come and see us let's hide they've never done that before why because what has taken place spiritual death in the day they ate of it, spiritually they died and the process of dying physically began. Until we understand the truth of those two things, we won't understand the power of the resurrection and why the Lord Jesus had to come. Because He had to come to purchase a way for us to regain the spiritual life and fellowship with God. Because that was lost. There was a band-aid that was put on. Which was the first sacrifice that happened then of the animal to cover him with skins. And from there on there was animal sacrifice. And their blood represented the blood of the one who would come. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But spiritual death reigned all the way till Christ. He is the only one that can provide the cure for the spiritual death. We are now born with a spiritual life. But Jesus said that, and we're going to go there in a minute. I'm way ahead of us. That 
which is born of the flesh, he's going to tell Nicodemus is flesh. But you must be born again. You must be born again of the water and the spirit. This sets the stage for us to understand why he had to come. There is no possible way for us to regain spiritual life and fellowship with God if one who does, does not come as soul and spirit as Adam did and go sinless to the cross to be offered in that way, there can never be that payment for spiritual death and, and, and for the physical life so that we can live life eternal. So you ready to see the process with me? All right, now that we don't have any idea where we're going, let's see why this is important. Romans chapter 3. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. This is why it's important. All means me, all of us. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Therefore, we, do, we need that born again. We need that spiritual reference. So, it says in Romans chapter 5, if you want to go there with me. I've put the green to represent Adam and the red to represent the blood of Christ as it comes through here on what Christ had to do because of what happened in the garden with the two deaths. And it says there in the beginning in verse 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, so death, those deaths were passed upon all men. So that all have sinned. So all of us, that curse of the death from the garden was passed on to everyone. But verse 14 says that Adam, that, that oneness of his falling, that oneness of the death coming up all men was a figure of him who was to come. But him who was to come, that Christ, the Lord, the Lamb of God, was not going to be one to bring more condemnation or falling, but he was going to not come as an offense to all of us as mankind, but he is going to come as the free gift of God to be offered up. For if through the offense of one, many be dead, much more than by the grace of God shall many be made alive through the free gift. And which is Christ Jesus, and it will abound to many, the free gift by one man. You see, he had to come as a man to do this. And he's going to have to come as a man like Adam. If by one man, in verse 17's offense, death reigned by one upon all, much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall, receive, shall reign in life by one through Jesus Christ. Verse 19, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made what? Do you know that happened? That because of that, all of us have become that through that. Not, that. not that his exact one was passed down, but the curse of sin and the fallenness of us has been passed down through his genetic line, through one man, not through the woman, there's a hint for you. Not through, but through the man, through Adam, it was rained down upon us. So, so shall it be by the obedience of one, the Lord Jesus Christ, 
shall life and shall many be made righteousness. Sin reigns unto death, but grace reigns through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ. Amen? Are you beginning to see why Christ had to come? Because there was no other possible way. Everyone had fallen under the curse of sin. So let's take it a step further. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We'll go down to about verse 20. And it says there, But now, and here's why the resurrection is so important. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of all who sleep. For since by man, by Adam, came death, by man, the Lord Jesus, also the resurrection of the dead. For verse 22 says, as in Adam, what? All die. But in Christ, all shall be made alive. So everyone's going to fall under one of two categories. If you know Christ, you're made alive. If you don't know Christ, you're still in Adam we're in flesh, and we're under that curse, and we shall die. So, in Adam all die. But verse 23, Every man shall be made alive in his own order. Christ was the firstfruits, and afterwards they that are Christ is coming. And then shall come the end, when he shall have delivered up his kingdom to the Father, and he will put down all rule and authority and power, and he will reign until he has put all of the enemies under his foot. And guess what the last enemy is? Death. The last enemy is death. And he's going to put that underneath his foot. So he came to destroy the enemy that is destroying mankind. His creation. Now, so he is called the last Adam in verse 45. If you look up there on verse 45. So it is written. You see, we are sown. We are born, the, the, the seed of the father to the mother. We are sown in corruption through that fall. But we are born again unto incorruption. Immortality is going to have to, to take the place of our mortality. But Christ is risen from the dead. And in verse 45, it is written, The first man, Adam, was made a living being. Or so. The last Adam. So Jesus is called the last Adam. And there's a reason. The last Adam is made a quickening spirit. And that means he's came to make us alive through that spirit that was lost in that death back there when there was two deaths. The spiritual and the physical. He had to come to bring that back again through one man. He will quicken us through the spirit. Now... Stay with me here. We're going to start tying this all together now. Genesis 3.15. The Lord said unto the serpent. So after they partook of that fruit and dying they shall die. So now the Lord had come into the garden and he saw what had happened. And he's got Adam and his Esha there, the woman. And he's got the, the serpent there and they're all lined up. And he gets down to the serpent. And because you have beguiled the woman, he said to the serpent, I will put enmity between thee, the serpent, and the woman, between thy seed and between what? Whose seed? I thought the seed came by man. I thought the woman had the egg and the man had the seed and that's how things roll. But it says... 
that through the seed of the woman. You know why? Because death comes through Adam. We got to have a last Adam. Adam came from the breath of God. And therefore, he could have two lives, a soul and a spirit. Everyone who follows after Adam, whose DNA was changed at that point, and it became this corruptible flesh, at that point, that spirit's not passed on. So there had to be another son of God who would come in the form of a man to be able to take it away, but to also have a soul and a spirit. I see some mouths flying open because are you beginning to see now why the virgin birth? Why was it a virgin birth? Because in Adam all die. So we got to have the Son of God to come through he that is born of a virgin. I'm going to put the enmity, the war is going to between the Satan and his seed and the seed of the woman. And he is going to break your head as you bruise his heel. And so that's where we're going. That's why as we go to the next slide in Isaiah chapter 7. When God said the seed of the woman people's going wild. But Satan knew. He continually tried to decimate the entire lineage of the Hebrew people. So that the seed of woman could not come. In Moses' day he had to be floated out. All the way up through. He was trying to. In Genesis chapter 6 almost everyone died. But eight souls that was on the ark. He was after the seed of the woman. So that he did not have to face his punishment. But God said it's through that. And then in Isaiah chapter 7, he gave him another clue. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a child. And you're going to uh, call his name Emmanuel. And butter and honey shall he eat that he may know to refuse evil and to choose to do good. You see, one's going to come born of a virgin. Why? Because whenever God is the father, then you have a soul and a spirit. So then we get over to Luke 1. And by the time we get to Luke 1 then, there's, there's an angel that comes unto Mary. And it says, Mary, hail thou that art highly favored of the Lord. The Lord is with thee, and blessed art thou among women. And the angel said, don't fear, Mary, because she was like, what kind of salutation is that? And he said, don't fear, fear not, for thou hast found favor with God, and behold, Thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus. That means Savior. And he shall be great, and he will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. And after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and the power of the Highest will overshadow thee, and he will cause your seed to sprout. And the holy thing that shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And by the virgin birth, the Son of God is the seed of woman, pure without the fallen Adam lineage curse down through him of the flesh. And as the son of God he came. As the first Adam did. To take away the first as we just read. The first Adam caused this. The second Adam. The Lord Jesus. Who, who is born as a son of God. Like he comes to take away the curse of the first one. 
And he did. He died two deaths upon the cross. Just like Adam did. Did you know that? He died two deaths upon the cross. Let me explain to you why he had to do that. Because one was spiritual and one was physical. You know, dying, thou shalt die. He had to replicate what happened with the first Adam. So, whenever the Lord had to go to the cross and they arrested him that night, he went through seven trials over the night. And they beat him. They scourged him. They punched him. I remember in before Pilate, they were hitting him and said, don't speak to him that way. You talk the way you're supposed to to the high priest. They took him before Pilate and he was, he was more beaten. He was scourged with whips. He was spit upon. He was pummeled. And Isaiah says that his figure was disfigured above any man so that you could not even recognize who he was. And the Lord went through all of that and the, and the being nailed to the cross And it said in Isaiah that he did it as a lamb that is silent before its shears. He didn't make a sound. He was doing it because he knew the joy that lay before him. That he would be the first fruits of all of us who would believe in him. He was come to bring spiritual life back to us. But at noon, darkness began To envelop the sky and it got pitch dark. The word for darkness there is a darkness that is resonant of evil because it has no light. It's like the darkness that was in Genesis 2 when darkness covered the earth in the beginning. It's a darkness, it's supernatural darkness of which there is no light. And during that darkness, he began to bear the sins of the world. It says that he bore our sins upon his body on that tree. And it says that by doing that, he also tasted death for every one of us. So at that point, he began screaming, it says in Psalm chapter 22. And he began screaming first was Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. Which means, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because he is bearing the sins of the world and God's righteousness and justice cannot be upon sin. And the backs was turned. My God, my God is God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. And he was there alone bearing our sins, buying back our right to spiritual life. And he screamed because he was tasting the death of hell for us. He felt what we were supposed to feel on the cross. And he died for us. And at three o'clock, and that's how painful it is in the fire. And at three o'clock, the light of the sun began to come back. And it lit up the earth. You know what he said? You know what his next words was after the light? Tetelestai. It is finished. He was still alive when he uttered those words, wasn't he? But it was finished. What was finished? Spiritual death. The first death was done. Just as immediately it was with Adam. It was spiritual death was done. And then it says that after that, and it was finished and I have paved the way. Then he says, it gave up the ghost. He bowed his head and he gave up the ghost and died the physical death. The Lord replicated the same thing upon the cross, a spiritual and then a physical death for you and I to re 
purchased back through him and faith in him, spiritual life, and then fellowship back with God. And so now, we know why in John chapter 3. When Nicodemus came to Jesus at night, and he said, oh, you're a teacher that come from God. We know that because no one could do the things that you are doing unless God would be with him. And in verse 3, Jesus answered him and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you must be what? Born again. Why? Because you ain't got no spirit, do you? So you got to be born again. And he's going to tell him in a minute of the water and the spirit. So through that, you gain the spirit and spiritual life. And he says, verily, verily means listen up. <laughs> a, an important point is coming your way, so listen to me. And he says, you must be born again. If not, except a man be born again, he cannot what? See the kingdom of God. Except a man is born again. Why? Because look what he continues to say. Except a man be born of water and the spirit. And a second time you cannot be, uh, see the kingdom of God. Because that which is born of the flesh is what? Flesh. And flesh is corruptible. And it's not going there. You've got to be born again of the spirit. And that only happens, he goes on to tell Nicodemus, when just as the serpent in the wilderness was raised up upon the pole, that symbolized our death through that serpent's deception, even so shall I take that place and be lifted up upon the cross so that I can draw all men unto me and you can be born again spiritually and become just as I will be. You must be born again. You don't stay in the flesh. This is why Jesus had to come as a man by a virgin birth and die upon the cross so that we can have the right through Him to be born again of the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you want to go there, it's a, this is a great chapter. We're going to be in here a couple times, but it says emphatically, there's a promise in verse 50, he says, now I say this to you, brethren, that flesh and blood, what? Cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So what did we just read? We that are born of flesh is what? Flesh. And flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. You have to be born again. 1 Corinthians 15 starts out with that message then at the very first. I came unto you with nothing except the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the gospel is that of his death, his burial, and his resurrection for our sins. Wherein also you are saved because of him. If you stand in that message and you follow it. That is where you do it. That is the message I preached. He says in verse 3, I delivered to you the message that was delivered to me to tell you. And that is the death, burial, and resurrection, the good news of that gospel according to the scriptures. Because you must be born again of the water and the spirit. And that's why we've been teaching 
these things like Mark 16, verse 15 and 16. Paul said, I taught you what I received. Well, what did he and the disciples receive? Jesus said unto them, this is right before he left this world, after the resurrection, the death, the burial, the resurrection. He said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, my death, burial, and resurrection. He that believeth and is baptized shall what? He that believeth not, what? Why? Because the only way is through Christ and that is, is your faith, the faith of Christ brought him through the death, burial, and the resurrection. When you say, I believe in that, the water represents your trust in God in the same operation. I am dying to self and this flesh that cannot inherit the kingdom of God. I am buried with him and I am raised up a new creature spiritual birth you must be born again of the water and the spirit and in that process the holy spirit comes and regenerates a spirit now within you and you are born again i've saved this scripture until now titus chapter 3 verses 5 and 6 says this it says he saved us not because of any righteous things we have done could we do anything. Our works are as filthy rags before him. We couldn't do anything. We are flesh and cannot inherit the kingdom of God. But because of his mercy, he saved us. Through the washing of what? The washing is rebirth and the renewal the spiritual renewal by the Holy Spirit whom He poured out on us generously through Christ Jesus our Savior and therefore we are justified through that and that means made right in the sight of God and that is our hope of obtaining the same thing that the Lord Jesus has. And what does the Lord Jesus has? Well, in John chapter 3, He said this, going back to what He told Nicodemus. He said, verse John 3.16, we all know how much God loved us and gave His Son for us so that none should perish, but that all uh, should ha could have everlasting life. But on verse 18, He tells us, He that believeth on Me is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So in other words, you're still in your flesh if you have not followed Me and been born again of the Spirit. And so you are still condemned already as long as you stay in that state. And so that's why we have to be born again. And that's why we preach the death, the burial, and especially the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the resurrection is our hope. The next verse I want to share with you is one that we shared this morning. Uh, as a, and I closed in prayer with was Psalm 110 and verse 1. In Psalm 110 and verse 1. This is one of the most quoted scriptures in the New Testament. This is quoted four times. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. That means that there was the promise of the resurrection of the humanity of Jesus Christ after the cross being raised up to the glory of God and set on his right hand until the end whenever he makes all the enemies his footstools. 
And I want you to think about this. The faith of Christ that he had. Because no human being had ever been resurrected from the dead. We talked about resuscitation this morning. Because Lazarus was resuscitated by the Lord. But that means that he went back into that same body of corruption. And he was going to die again. Resurrection is into the new incorruptible body. And that had never happened. Jesus is the first fruits. And it was through his faith in God accepting his work. That that would happen and God did. And God raised him up. And think about this. The Lord Jesus stands as the first time in all of humanity that a human being sits at the right hand of God in a resurrected body. And it means that God accepted his work. And that's why when you and I in faith follow him, we are accepted in the beloved because God has accepted him and placed him there. So God has accepted him and through faith in him he must accept us as well. Isn't that great news? I mean, that's great news. The first time in history a human being is brought in a resurrected body and sets at the right hand of God as a seal of approval. So, Acts chapter 2. Peter began preaching the same thing. He says, let me tell you about our patriarch David. You know what? He's going to quote this very verse right here. He said, let me tell you about David who wrote those psalms. He's dead and buried but he was a prophet of God and he promised an oath to him saying, God promised an oath to David that the fruit of his loins according to his flesh that he would raise up, raise up, resurrect Christ to sit upon his throne. And he was speaking of the resurrection, he tells him, and that his soul would not be left in hell nor see corruption and neither shall ours who believe in him. God raised Jesus up to his right hand where he is exalted. He was received of the Father. That means accepted that work. He was received of the Father. And then now the promise because of his work and that he was accepted. The promise of the Holy Spirit coming back to be able to bring that spirit of life back into us. Has now been fulfilled. And so it says that he shed forth the ability then to be born again in verse 34 because David said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool. And then in Romans chapter 6 and verse 3, God accepted him and now he accepts all of us who follow in that same faith through that and says, My faith is in the Lord Jesus and I'm going to imitate that in the way he has told me to do. Know ye not, chapter 6, verse 3, that so many of us as that were baptized into Christ were baptized into his what? Death. So when we are doing that, we are also, our fleshly nature, that curse, was baptized unto death. It has now died. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism. That's why I imitated that. We're buried with him by that so that just like Christ, now look at this now. Just as Christ was raised up from the dead, the resurrection, by the glory of the Father, even so we also now will rise up from the dead. We rise up to walk in a newness of life. For if you and I are planted in the likeness of his death, we shall also be what? In the likeness of his resurrection. 
That provided the way for us to be in the likeness of the resurrection and accepted by Christ. Verse 8, because if we be dead with Christ, we believe. I want you to leave here today believing that we shall also live with him. God did it with the Lord. He kept his promise. And he said that same promise is to you and I that when we do that, the same promise is just as we imitated that, he will bring us together with him. We will live with him. Praise God for that. And then we'll close with this. That's good news Paul preached in 1 Corinthians 15. We started out with the death, burial, and the resurrection for our sins. That in Adam all die, it says. But in Christ all shall live. Uh, he is the first fruits of the resurrection. And he says one day this body that was sold in corruption will be raised incorruptible. This mortality will put on immortality. Because when he comes again, when that last trumpet call sounds, and the dead in Christ rise first, and then those which are alive and remain are caught up together with him in the air, and thus shall we ever be, it says we are transformed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, we are transformed into that incorruptible being just like Jesus Christ. And he raises us up to be with him and we will be changed. And it says down there in, in verse 54, when our corruption is now incorruptible and our mortality has put on immortality, then shall the cry go out that death has been swallowed up in victory. That's our theme, victory through Jesus Christ. And O oh, death, where is thy sting now? And O oh, grave, where is your victory? No, the sting of death was sin, but Christ came and took that away, and the strength of sin was law, but it was nailed to his cross. And thanks be to God then, which gives us the victory over death and the right to attain spiritual life now through the death and the burial and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's through our faith in him and in that. And so, dear friends, that is the story of us and why the resurrection was so important. And as our praise team comes up and we close on out, long story short, just as Jesus explained to Nicodemus, we must be born again. Flesh and blood does not inherit the kingdom of God. You need to be made a new creature. If you are here this day, and you have never followed that example, please, please do not leave here this day without doing that. Don't think, oh, I, I, I'm going to get wet and I'm going to have to leave all wet. No, I got some clothes for you. You can change. We've got two restrooms right here. You change. I've got your clothes. We've got the towels. If you are ready to make the decision for the Lord Jesus so that you have the renewing of your spirit by the washing of regeneration like it said, and you're a new creature, if you need to do that, don't hesitate. But to those also of us who have done that and have followed that, leave here knowing now. Now we know why Jesus had to come. There's a physical life and a spiritual life. There's a physical death and a spiritual death. 
The first Adam brought death to both of those types of lives. The second Adam, the Lord Jesus, brought life to both of those lives. And it's only through him that you can have that. And to those who have named that, it says the resurrection. This day that that they celebrate today that is so important because the resurrection represents to you and I our hope, our faith, And our trust that like as Christ was resurrected from the dead by the glory of Father and placed upon the right hand, received and accepted of him in the heavenly realm, so shall you and I when that day comes. Amen. That's great news, folks. That's great news. Praise be to God. It's all praise to God. Let's pray. And Father... We stand amazed in your presence. Who would have thought that your plan, way back before the earth was framed, that you had a plan because you knew that man would fall. You know our nature. We're just a bag of dust, a few bones and some hair. But you knew that you would also breathe into our nostrils the breath of lives and we would become a living being and that That we would end up losing that if there wasn't a way back. And that you provided a son. Your son. The only begotten. Uniquely born one. Who could come to represent the second Adam that would bring back life. And Father we thank you for that gift through Jesus Christ. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who renews us through faith in your son. And Father, we just thank you for giving us that opportunity even though we didn't deserve it. We thank you and we praise you for your spirit, for your mercy, for your grace, and for your Lord, your Son son and our Lord, Jesus Christ. And in his name we exalt you and thank you. Amen.
that's some powerful words in that song. Trump. 